Hallelujah. <clears throat> did you notice when she was talking about the wreck that she didn't have time to repent? Not that she needed to. That's not what I'm saying. We want to delay sometimes our repentance before the Lord, thinking we can do it tomorrow, when tomorrow may not come. We need to be ready now. And if you're not ready today before you leave this place, I pray that your heart will be right with God and that you will have the proper plumb line. Will you bow your head, please? <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the day you blessed us with. Truly, we have a lot to thank, be thankful for, not just during the time of Thanksgiving, but, Lord, every day that we live. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. You're the glorious King of glory. You're the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and there is none beside thee. There is none like you, Lord. And we worship you and magnify your holy name. We dedicate this service to you, Lord, wanting you to be lifted up and glorified in everything that's said and done. I've already prayed, Lord, that the atmosphere in this place would be charged with expectancy. Expectancy that, Lord, we will see the glory of the Lord. We will see the glorious face of Jesus today. I pray, Lord, that in the name of the Lord that our hearts will be open for everything you want to say and do. Father, we give you place. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And, Lord, we want you to have total freedom and liberty to do whatever you desire. In your precious name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Since we were here last year, we have went around the world twice. And I don't think Dealey shared about the Ukraine, did you? In the spring, we was able to go back to the Ukraine. And those of you that have known us for a long time, you know that we actually lived in the Ukraine with our three sons for a few years. And we raised up churches and Bible school. Well, if you've noticed on the news the past few years, Ukraine has been in a, in a war with the Russian militia. And it's been a terrible time for the Ukraine. Terrible things happened. We didn't realize how bad it was because we had not been able to go back to the Ukraine for a few years, but we went in the springtime. And I, want, I don't want to take a long time to tell you, but Ukraine is now in a new revival in the midst of all of this war. One church that we have worked with in the past in that area, water baptized 3,500 people during the time of the war. The people that was run, that chased, was chased out of Donetsk City and Lugansk, they had to flee somewhere, and many of them wound up in our city of Kramatorsk. And the government could not take care of them, but the churches opened their doors, and they started helping these people, and most of them were unbelievers. But because they were so kind to them, giving them food and clothing and shelter, they opened their heart and gave their heart to Jesus Christ. And in the midst of a terrible, dark time, God opened the windows of heaven over Ukraine, and now a new revival has begun. And so I want you to be encouraged today. I don't know what all you might be going through, but it seems like the Lord shows up the greatest when we're going through the darkest time of our life. And I thank God that he is faithful to be with us and to carry us through. And through it all, he is still Lord of all. Can you agree with that? Hallelujah. This week is Thanksgiving, so I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Happy Thanksgiving. <clears throat> and I won't see you on Thanksgiving Day, so I want you to hear from my wife and I, Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have a blessed time. We have a lot to be thankful for in this nation. We still have freedom of worship here, by the way. Many countries in this world don't have the freedom that we have. When we go to China and other places in the world, they don't have beautiful churches like this together in. In the Arab countries, many of those are persecuted and even martyred because of their faith in Christ. But here in America, we have freedom to gather in the name of the Lord in a beautiful sanctuary like this. We have a lot to be thankful for. Maybe one day we won't have it anymore, but Jesus is still Lord. And we're going to worship him regardless. Amen? Hallelujah.
If you got your Bibles, please turn in the book of John chapter 11. John chapter 11, very famous story that all of us are familiar with. But since the beginning of this year, the Lord has been dealing with me very strongly about why people follow the Lord and why do they supposedly call themselves a Christian. Do you know there's a lot of different reasons why people call themselves a Christian? Some of them are not even Christian at all. They just are Christian by name only because it's a religion that they've chosen to live by. But my friend, Christianity is so much more than just having a title. Christianity is more than a religion. When I got saved, everybody tried to tag that on me. Oh, Danny, Brother Danny, he sure did get religious. No, I didn't get religious. I got relationship because that's what Christianity is, is you come in relationship with God Almighty. Then you can start calling him Abba, Father. Abba, Father, and Jesus Christ becomes your Lord. It is relationship that takes place in true Christianity. And when you really get born again, you cannot be the same as you were before. Can anybody in here say amen this morning? <clears throat> Old things are passed away and all things become new because God is dealing with you from inside out, not from outside in. Because he's coming in and giving you a new heart. He's taking out that old stony, rebellious, stubborn heart and he's putting in a new heart, a heart that can worship the king of glory and you're a different person. You cannot stay the same. I gotta say that again, you cannot stay the same. You are a different person. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things are gone. All things have become new. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God. Can you say that, for the glory of God? That he, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, before I go on any further, I want you to do a word study when you go home. And it's on the two words that I just spoke of, love. The first love is mentioned by this is what they said in verse 3. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. I want you to do a word study on that. And the second one is verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now in Greek, there's more than one word that they use for love. And most of you know this. If you've studied anything in the Bible for years and you've studied a little bit of Greek, here in America, we use in the English language one word for love, and it's just general for everything. But in Greek, it is very specific. They have the word called phileo, which we know as brotherly love. And brotherly love many times is conditional love. And then you have a love between a husband and a wife. I think it's called Aries. But then there's a special word for God's kind of love. And any time in the New Testament that you read about how God loves you and how we are to love each other, it's always going to be the word agape. It's the God kind of love that is unconditional. And it can only come from God because it is not a natural love. It is a supernatural love. <clears throat> And the only way you and I can have this kind of love is if we receive it from God in order to give it. I'm preaching so much better than y'all are amen in this morning. We have to receive it from God in order to give it back to God and to each other. And do you know the two greatest commandments in the Bible? Love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Those words are agape for both cases. 
all prophets and law, all the law and prophets are, are hanging on those two commandments. In other words, all of the law and all of the prophecy, everything is fulfilled by one word, and it's love, agape. But we cannot have this love unless we receive this love. And even though we get saved and we receive this love from the Lord, if we're not careful, we can pull away from the vine and we're no longer abiding in the vine. Therefore, we're not receiving the love that we need in order to have the love to give. Now, I want to say something that's probably going to cause you to want to stone me this morning. But if you're having problems this morning with your husband or your wife or your children or your grandma or grandpa, I want you to understand that the real problem is not with them. The real problem is between you and God. Because you are not receiving the love that you need from God in order to have it to give to them. Repeat after me. I love you, Brother Danny. Wow, that was a good one. Thank you. You see, we have so many issues in the church. We have this bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred towards one another. And I want you to understand that is a true sign that something is not right with that person in God. Because if we really are receiving from God what we need, we can even love our enemies and pray for those that despitefully use us. If we really are receiving it from God, we're going to have it to give. Jesus says in John chapter 15, you must abide in him and he must abide in you because we can do nothing without him. He is the one that gives us everything that we need to bear the fruit of the kingdom. And if we're not bearing the fruit of the kingdom, then we're not connected to the king in the proper way. Whew, glory. But the first word love, if you study it later in verse 3, this is how they perceived the love of Jesus. It was phileo. They perceived that Jesus only had a brotherly love for Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. But if you look in verse 5, it's a different word. It says Jesus loved, and it's the word agape. Listen carefully, brother and sister. God loves you, but he doesn't love you with a brotherly love. He loves you with an unconditional God kind of love, agape. He so agape you that he sent his only begotten son to die for you, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We are so shallow in this thing called love many times. And I'll tell you why. It's because we are not receiving what we need in order to have it to give. See, you cannot give something that you don't have. How many times in Scripture does it say, and Jesus was moved with compassion? Jesus was moved with compassion to heal. Jesus was moved to, with compassion to raise the dead. His whole focus, everything that motivated him was this thing called love. And love, according to Scripture, is the only thing I have found that never fails. Repeat after me. Love never fails. And it's the word agape. It never fails. It seems like many times our kind of love does fail. And it's because we don't have the proper kind of love. Now be honest. Don't look holier than thou out there this morning. All of us have our days. Our wife burns the toast and we have one of those days. Our husbands don't do like change the light bulb when he should. He doesn't put the toilet seat down as he should. And all of a sudden, this unconditional or this conditional love kicks in. <clears throat> and you get fauché. That is a... a that is a Cajun word, isn't it? <clears throat> Anybody in here ever been fashé? Well, at least there are a few honest people there. Kathy? <laughs> Hallelujah. We all have our days, but we need to repent of those days, glory to God, and we need to be changed from glory to glory more into the image of Jesus Christ because that's the journey that we're on as Christians. If you're satisfied where you are, in Christianity, in your walk with God, you need to repent today. 
because all of us need to change and get a little higher. And by the way, earlier this year, the Lord spoke to my wife and said, this is a year of transition. And everywhere we have went around the world, we have seen transition in ministry and family, everything you can imagine. People are in transition, and when God allows a transition to come, it's because he is wanting us to come up higher in the things of the Lord. But in a transition, there's usually, if not always, a crossroad that we come to, and we have to make a choice at that crossroad. Either we're going to stay the same or go backwards, or we're going to go on with the things of God. I ask you today, what are you going to do? Jesus is coming soon, and he's coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And so he is looking for people that's in love with him and with, in love with each other. Or you can say, well, Brother Danny, I do really love the Lord, but I hate my wife. That's a true sign that you don't really love the Lord. I'm preaching better than y'all are amen, and that's okay. It's a true sign. If we, in the book of John, it says if we say that we love God and we hate our brother, we call God a liar. In other words, we are a liar. If we love each other the way God loves us, then truly we're walking in the love of God. That love was given not only to love back to God, it was to love each other. Please turn to somebody and say, I love you. I hope you really meant that. Glory to God. But see, right here, we, we find a tattletale sign of what's really going on. Now, I'm going to tell you why this message is so strong on my heart. Earlier this year, I was watching a, a commercial on television, and it was about people that had skin disease, and they were advertising some kind of medicine that you could put on. But the thing that was the theme of it was see me. I don't know if you've ever seen that commercial. People that that had these diseases, people were not looking at them, they were looking at the disease they had. And when I was watching this commercial, the Lord spoke to me these words, see me. And I said, Lord, what are you talking about, see me? He said, many of my children, when they look at me, they are not seeing me. They can only see what I do. And many of them are running after me for signs and wonders and for what I can do, but they're not running after me for who I am. And he said, I want my people to begin to see me. Jesus came to mankind not only to die for the sins of man, but also to reveal the face of God. In the Garden of Eden, God created Adam and Eve, and they were holy, and they were walking in the glory of the Lord. God was speaking to them face to face. What a great time of reunion and fellowship and relationship that must have been in the Garden. It had to be so special. But then when the fall came, there was a separation between God and man. And then after that time when the glory of the Lord departed from man, man could not see the face of God. God told Moses at the burning bush, nobody can see my face and live. Nobody could see his glory and live. It would have killed him. But Jesus came to restore what the first Adam lost, the last Adam came to bring back. He came to reveal to mankind again the face of God. And when you and I look at Jesus Christ, we are looking at the face of God. Jesus said, when you see me, you see my Father. Hallelujah. But yet, when Jesus came, how many people followed him? But they followed him for the wrong reason. They were running after him because of what he could do. The signs and wonders and I believe it broke the heart of the Lord when all of this stuff was taking place. He even asked his own disciples one day, who do men say that I am? It was something important upon his heart. He wanted to know what man saw in him. And this is what they said. Well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say this and that. And Jesus asked his own disciples, 
Who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter is the one that spoke up and said, You are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. For a split second, somebody was able to see through the veil and look beyond what Jesus was doing to see who he was. I believe that everything Jesus did back in those days, he's still willing to do today. But listen carefully, I believe that everything he does is a declaration of who he is. And if we're running after what he can do for us, we're so shallow in our walk with God. I asked my Baptist father many years ago this question when we were getting into the spirit-filled walk and I saw people running after this and running after that. I asked my dad, I said, Dad, if God never gave you nothing else in this life, what would you do? How would you feel? And my father began to cry, and this is what he said. If God never gave me anything else in this life, he's given me more than I deserve. And my father meant it with all of his heart. If God never answered another prayer, if God never gave another miracle, he would still worship the Lord because Jesus had given him more than he deserved. And I want you to know, my friend, everything that God gives you is not something you deserve. It is a gift from God because he loves you. Don't worship him for what he can give you. Worship him for who he is. And here, his very good friends, they could not understand who he was. Jesus made a statement. This sickness is not unto death, but it is for the glory of God. Now, we all have read the story. We all know that Lazarus died. He was dead four days in the grave. He died, but yet Jesus was saying, this sickness is not unto death. This is for the glory of God the Father. There was something that was going to be revealed in this story that God wanted to be revealed to mankind. It's okay if I cry a little bit, isn't it? They call for Jesus to come, and Jesus tarries two days. Now, it's not very far from where Jesus was at to go to Bethany. It's really not that far. I wouldn't want to walk in on foot, but it's not really that far. But he waited two days. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever asked God for something and it didn't come immediately? I'm the only one. God's delay is not God's denial. And sometimes we don't understand there is God's will and there's also God's timing. And God is perfect in all of his ways. He never makes a mistake. Sometimes we think he does. God is never late. He misses many opportunities to be early, but he's never late. He's always an on-time God. Hallelujah. And some of you need to hear that this morning because you have been believing God for a miracle and it hasn't showed up yet. Don't lose faith. Hallelujah. If you faint not, you shall receive the promise. Unless God has shown you that it's not according to his will, keep believing, keep believing, keep believing. The miracle is on its way. Tears are for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Hang on to your faith and believe God. Jesus waited, and it was all part of God's plan. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do, and he knew exactly what was going to be revealed to those that was following him. <clears throat> but how many of them followed Jesus for the wrong reason? I, I read in the New Testament of where thousands followed him for food. He gave some free fish and loaves, as Brother Scott was talking about earlier. Many people followed him because they wanted the food. 
Some followed because of the miracles and the signs and wonders. Can I make a statement right here and you'll please listen. Miracles will not keep you. Signs and wonders will not keep you. But relationship with Jesus will keep you all the way to the end. Look at what the children of Israel saw. They saw the ten plagues of Egypt. And then they saw the sea, Red Sea parted and they walked across on dry land. They saw God come down on Mount Sinai like a fire. Signs and wonders like you and I have never seen before. But yet all of them, for the most part, turned their back on God and didn't follow him. Signs and wonders is not going to keep you. Your intimacy with God, with God will keep you. Because love is something that never, ever, ever fails. God's unconditional love will carry you through every storm. It will be the anchor to your soul. It will be the foundation that will never be shaken. It will stand the test of time. Glory to God. And no matter what you're going through, if you love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, it's going to be okay. Glory to the Lord. It's going to be okay. You say, Brother Danny, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what I've been through. Let me write a book one day and you can read about what's happened to us. Through it all, we have found this, that God is faithful and true. No matter what you go through, whether it's good days or bad days, he is the God of the mountain. He's a God in the valley. He's a God of the daytime and he's a God of the nighttime. He is God all the time. Even when I make wrong decisions, he's still God Almighty and he's going to be perfect in all of his ways. Glory to God. I'm having a good time up here. He delayed, and finally he tells his disciples, we're going to go. And uh, they said, go. We're going to get in trouble if we go back to Jerusalem, Lord. That's where you almost got killed before. Jesus said, we got to go. We got to go for Lazarus. And he said to the disciples that Lazarus was asleep. God views things so much different than what we do. We look at death as being so final. Lazarus was already dead. We look at death as being so final. But to God, death is a stepping stone for a believer. My brother and sister, one day if the Lord tarries and we're not raptured out of here, we're going to go by the way of, gray, of the grave. But I want you to understand something. Your body is what is put in that casket, but you, your spirit and your soul is not in the grave. It's not in the casket. It is going to be in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And when you die, when you die, it is not something that you need to mourn over. It's something you need to rejoice in. <laughs> I got to share this. While we were in China in the spring, we got a call that Dealey's mother passed away. And it would have taken four days for us to get back. And they would have already buried her. And it would have all been over with. It was very difficult for my wife to be overseas and to lose her mama. She loved her mama. But she came back and she was going through this grieving process. And she was crying out to the Lord one day. She said, Lord, I miss my mama. I miss my mama. And you know what the Lord spoke to her? He said, she don't miss you. <laughs> it kind of shocked my wife when the Lord said that. And he said, she's up here around the throne, dancing around the throne and singing worship to me. She's not even thinking about that stuff back on the earth. When we die, the Lord looks at it different than the way we do. Our bodies are asleep in the grave, but we're in the presence of the Lord. You know, if I ever die, don't any of you dare raise me from the dead. My name is not Lazarus. You leave me alone. <laughs> My wife says, you can forget it, Denny. I'm going to raise you from the dead. I told her, I said, men have selective hearing. I will not hear that. <laughs> she said, I wouldn't be talking to you anyway. <clears throat> if I get out of this body, please leave me alone. I want to be dancing around the throne of God with my mother-in-law. Hallelujah. 
I'll be rejoicing up there. Death is not something that is final to a believer. It is a graduation from here to there. It is a time of celebration when a believer goes home. It is not a time. Now the ones back here, yeah, they're going to mourn. They're going to hurt. But the one that's gone on to be with the Lord, you can hang it up. They don't care about this stuff back here. <laughs> and finally, Jesus had to tell his disciples, Lazarus is dead. And then I read this, this little tidbit about Thomas. Thomas, one of the disciples, said, well, let's go so that we can die with him too. You know, when I read some of the stuff that the disciples did, it gives me hope, hallelujah. <laughs> they, they were just like us. You ever made any mistakes since you've been saved? You ever made any spiritual boo-boo since you've been saved? I could write a book, but thank God his mercies are new every morning. And then when Jesus gets to uh, Bethany, Martha comes running out to meet him. And this is what she says. Lord, if you would have just been here. How many times do we say the same thing when we're going through a difficult time? Lord, where were you at? Lord, if you would have just been here, everything would have been all right. Can I tell you something? If I go to the highest heaven, the Lord is there. If I go anywhere here on earth, the Lord is there. If I go to the center of the earth, the Lord is there. There is no place that you can go that God is not already there. Many times we feel abandoned and alone because we don't feel the presence of the Lord. Relationship with God is more than a feeling. If we went by feelings, we would be terrible, terrible people. Because it's a roller coaster. One day you feel good and the next day you feel bad. Or is that just me? <laughs> Intimacy with God is the key of it all. And Martha says, Lord, if you would have. Now see, Martha, she was a friend to Jesus. She knew Jesus, but yet she didn't know Jesus. How many of us have a shallow understanding of who Jesus is? And this is what Jesus said. Your brother will be resurrected. And then what does she say? Lord, I know in the day of resurrection, my brother will be resurrected. And Jesus said, this is where the Lord is going to be glorified in this one statement. Please hear me. Jesus looked at Martha and said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. And see, that is a very special word. In Hebrew, it is the word Yahweh. And if you look in the Old Testament when Moses uh, heard from God in that burning bush and he said, who, who do I say sends me? And this is what God said, I am that I am. That is where they get the term Yahweh. Mm, glory to God. It is such a revered name of God to this day that the Jews, they will not even say Yahweh. They will say, shh. They will not say the holy word Yahweh because it's so holy and so precious to the Jewish people. They will not even say it. And when Jesus was being crucified on the cross and they put that, that plaque over his head to declare what his sin was, Jesus, uh, King of the Jews, in Hebrew, the first letter in each one of those words spelled Yahweh. And that's why the rabbi said, take that plaque down. Don't say it that way. Because it was a declaration that Jesus was more than a man and more than a prophet. He was the I am that I am. He's Yahweh, glory to God. Now they could not. They couldn't understand Jesus was more than a man and a prophet. Martha and Mary loved Jesus, but they loved him with a phileo, a brotherly love. They couldn't understand this thing called agape. Jesus loved with an unconditional love, a God kind of love, but they couldn't comprehend it. 
and they could not understand who Jesus really was. They followed him for the wrong reason many times. And I believe that it grieves the heart of the Lord. Jesus walks on towards the tomb and Mary comes, the other sister came and, and comes and Mary says the same exact words that Martha said, Lord, if you would have been here, can I tell you something? Jesus didn't even have to come to Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus doesn't have to go to that place. It, it's proven in Scripture. Remember the centurion that was under authority and said, I'm also under authority? He said, Jesus, if you'll just speak the word. If you'll just speak the word. And Jesus spoke the word and the man resurrected from the dead. Jesus did not have to go to Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead. All he had to do was speak the word. But there was a reason why he had to go to Bethany this day. It was for God to be glorified. It was for the Lord to be glorified. And the glorification was this. He was making a declaration. Oh, oh, I got I'm getting wound up. In the Old Testament, I think there's about 3,000 times where this word Yahweh is used. And every time, every time that God says, I am, it is a declaration that he's eternal, he's all-sufficient, he is complete, and this is what he is. In the New Testament where he says, I am love, he is not saying that he only has love, he is making a declaration that he is love. If he says, I am the healer, he is making a declaration I not only can heal, but I am the healer. When he said, I am the resurrection, he is not only declaring, I can resurrect the dead, he's making a statement, I am the resurrection and the life. Whew, glory. He is everything that he declares himself to be. And with God, everything is absolute. And this is where we miss it. We don't understand the absolute of God. When God, when Jesus spoke here, I am the resurrection and life, he was, a making, he was making an absolute declaration. Whew. He was wanting those people to see him for who he was. You know, some people are teaching today that Jesus was a created being. My Bible tells me, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. I want you to understand, Jesus always was and always will be. You can say, well, the Bible says in the Old Testament, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God, there's only one God. Yes, there is. But if you remember the very first part of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us create man in our image. That is plural. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's only one God. Even though it's in three persons, he's in three persons, it's one God. Jesus always was and always will be in Colossians by him, for him, through him. All things were created by him and all things are held together by him. Glory to God. Jesus has got you in his hand. Everything's going to be all right. A few years ago, Dealey shared with you about this laminin cell that they discovered under a microscope. They wondered how all of these different cells could be held together, and they couldn't ever describe why. They, didn't, they saw space, but that's all they saw. But they invented something to magnify even more, and they discovered this laminin cell that is in the shape of a cross. Hallelujah. And it is now everything in our body and everything that's on this earth is held together by the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So if you're facing anything in your body or anything in your life, begin to speak to those laminin cells and say, Arise in Jesus' name. The kingdom of God lives inside of you. He has a, it has a king over it, and his name is Jesus Christ. Oh, glory. Lazarus goes on, I mean, Jesus goes on to the tomb where Lazarus is laid. They rolled the stone away. 
still nobody really knows what, because they, they said, Lord, he, he stinks after four days. And if you know anything about medicine, you know that on the fourth day, things begin to go pretty bad. You know the bad part of this story? Lazarus had to die twice. That's another reason I told Dealey, don't raise me from the dead. If I get out of here one time, leave me alone. I will be very fache. I'll be very mad if you raise me from the dead and then I got to die again. Poor Lazarus. Nobody really hears what he had to say about all of this. <clears throat> but Jesus went to the tomb and he spoke the powerful words, Lazarus, come forth. And I want you to hear me. You've heard this before from many other preachers, but if Jesus wouldn't have been specific on that day and just called the name of Lazarus, everybody in that tomb I mean, everybody in that graveyard would have raised from the dead. If he'd have just said, come forth every, oh, glory to God. One day very soon, one day very soon, one day very soon, there's going to be a trumpet blast and there's going to be a shout from heaven that says, come forth, believers in Christ. And all of a sudden, those that are dead in Christ are going to come out of the grave and they're going to be caught up in the air to be with the Lord forever. Now, maybe some of you don't want to, you don't believe in the rapture. You don't believe it's going to happen. My friend, listen, when the rapture happens, I'm out of here. If you want what I got, you can have it. It's not much. And you say, well, Brother Danny, you have an escape mentality. Yes, I do. The Bible says, pray that you be found worthy to escape all these things that shall come upon the earth. If you want to stay down here and fight the inner Christ, you go right ahead. But I have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. I have been sealed by the Holy Ghost. I have a new name in heaven that God has given me. I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm going to live eternal with the Lord. If you want to stay down here and do all the fighting, go right ahead. But I'm out of here. Glory to God. The way that Jesus was glorified was that day he put the face of God so that people could see it was more than what he could do. Yes, he could heal. Yes, he could resurrect the dead. But it was more than that. He wanted to reveal to mankind the face of God, who he was. So my friend, I close now with this. Do you see him? Do you see him or do you only see what he can do for you? Many years ago, the Lord spoke these words to me, and he said, Danny, don't ever seek me for my hands. Seek me for my heart. And if you find my heart, my hand will be automatic. And I said, Lord, is there a scripture to prove that? He said, yes. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What if we begin to seek the Lord from this day forward? And who he is rather than what he can do. I wonder if we just begin to notice him. You know, there's a lot of celebrities in this nation of America. Celebrities are usually very, very lonesome people. A lot of people know about them and they know what they can do, but they don't know them. Jesus wants to be more than a celebrity in your life. He wants to be the Lord and lover of your life, the resurrection and the life. He wants to be your healer, your deliverer, your protector, your provider. He wants to give you all of these benefits, but he wants you to see him for who he is. Because of who you are, Lord, we worship you. Will you bow your heads, please, today? In this time of thanksgiving, when you look up to heaven and you think about the Lord, do you just think about what you can get from him? What he can give you? Or do you really look at him and who he is? God deserves our affection. He, love, he, he deserves everything that we can give him. He gave everything for us. And he gave it to us because he loved us, because of who we were. You were special to God. That's why Jesus came into your life, because you're special to him. He loves you. Why do we come to him? Why do we run after him? It should be because of who he is. 
I've been speaking directly to the heart, I hope, today by the Holy Spirit. Is there someone here today that you don't have this relationship with the Lord? You have a form of godliness and you have a name of Christianity, but yet you know in your heart that something is wrong. Something is wrong because your heart is empty. Today is the day that the Lord can fill your heart with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Today is a day of salvation where all you have to do is call out the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Today, he makes an appeal to all of our hearts today to get right and to get ready because he's coming very soon. If you're not right with the Lord today, please don't leave this place before you get things right with God. The Holy Spirit is working here today in all of our hearts and life. He has been here the whole time of this service, and I believe that he's been speaking to hearts. If you don't know Jesus today or you're not where you need to be and you've backed away from the love of God and you don't have that love anymore, if your love has grown cold, today is a day of restoration and God can redeem you, he can restore you, he can give back what you have lost if you'll just call upon his name. I want to see a show of hands. If you don't know the Lord or you need to come back to the Lord today, would you just raise your hand where I can see? Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for those brave souls. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you. I want you to repeat after pray, a prayer after me today, if you will, a prayer that I've prayed all over the world. And I've seen the Lord do miracles in this prayer. He has transformed people from darkness into light. He has taken backsliders and brought them back home. Everybody that raised their hand, and even if you did not, would you repeat after me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin because I have sinned against you. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He came to this earth. He died for my sin. He arose from the dead as Savior and Lord. Today, Lord Jesus, I give you everything I am, all that I have, and I receive you today as my Savior, but also my Lord. And from this day forward, I will serve you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the goodness of God that is here today, the grace and mercy of the Lord that's been extended. And I pray that, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that every blinder, every binder will be broken and destroyed off of every heart and mind. And I thank you, Lord, that in Jesus' name, they have become free by the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ. And from this day forward, they will walk in newness of life, a new creation in Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit and washed by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, they will never, ever be the same again. For this day is a day to be written on a calendar, a day of transformation, a day of renewal, a day Lord that will be reckoned the rest of their life in Jesus name I thank you Father for doing a work that I cannot do that Lord only by the Holy Spirit can the power of heaven come upon someone and I thank you Lord that you have done that even now and you're going to continue to do it in the days to come in Jesus name now brother and sister if you have a need today I want to do something real quick if you don't mind if you have a need from God today, there's nothing wrong with presenting our need to the Lord. But as we present our need to the Lord, I want you to rec recognize who he is rather than just what he can do. I want you to stand right where you are if you have a need and you need prayer. I'm not going to ask everybody to come up here. God doesn't, he's not upset with distance. He can reach you where, where you are, hallelujah. Well, Brother Danny, don't you need to lay hands? No, you need Jesus' hands laid on you and that's okay. I don't mind laying hands on people, but today the Lord's going to lay his hand on you. If you have a need, I just want you to quietly stand up, please. If you have faith, if you have faith to believe,
that he is everything he says he is and he can do everything he says he can do. I don't care what it is that you have need of today. It may seem impossible to you, but it's not impossible to God. So right now, let's go before the throne of grace and I want you to receive. Heavenly Father, we come before the throne of grace in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and by the precious blood that he shed at Calvary. And by that name, we come before your throne. And Lord, we present all of these needs up to you. And Lord, you knew what they were even before we ask. For Lord, there is nothing that escapes your notice. You know every big thing and you know every little thing. And Lord, even if it seems impossible in our eyes, nothing is impossible for you. So right now, Lord, let heaven come to earth upon our lives. And Lord, let us be filled with the Holy Ghost in power. Let the anointing of the Lord break every yoke. And I thank you, Lord, that right now every need is met in this house according to your riches and glory. Lord, you're not slack concerning your promises. They are yes and amen. And Lord, we simply agree with you and declare, Lord, that you are God Almighty and there is none other. And Lord, we look to you. We look to you and you alone as being the only one true God. Lord, we worship you for who you are and we thank you, Lord, that Lord, everything that you do for us and every need that you give us, it's only a declaration of who you are, that you are a good, gracious, merciful God. And we worship you and we receive now a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, a renewal in our spirit, a freshness of your love. Lord, let the love of God penetrate our being from head to toe in Jesus' name. And anything that has tried to prevent that love from flowing through our lives, let it be destroyed right now in Jesus' name. Let us go home and love our wives and our husbands and our children. Let us love our jobs and those that work on our jobs. Let us love our pastor and our church. Let us love everybody, Lord, because your love never failed. And Lord, it is a true sign of us being a true Christian. So Lord, let your love fill us today. And we give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory forever. Amen. Now can you give God a big hand clap today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for being so patient, hearing the word of the Lord. May God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving. Brother Scott, it's back to you, brother. <laughs>